And now, do you like Prince movies? Hey everybody, welcome to Do You Like Prince Movies? I'm Alex Papadimus. I'm Wesley Morris. And uh, we're coming to you on a rare Thursday. I don't know. I don't know. We had some scheduling issues, but it works out for us because the Emmy nominations happened today. And I actually didn't know until you told me. So, because I, you know, I, I don't, I turn off my email inbox when I, when I write. So I don't, I don't know what is happening in the world at all. Um, so I'm just sitting here going through this list and it's, it's, it's astonishing. Some of the stuff on this list, some of the stuff that's not on this list. So, uh, the, but the first thing you told me, you didn't even say the Emmy, you said we can talk about the Emmy nominations. And I said, Oh, did that happen? And you said, you said yes. But the reason that you brought it up was because. Well, I was like, did you not? I, I jokingly said, did you not get all any on a, the alerts that you get from the various Tatiana Maslani fan groups that you're in? All of the those you know those tumblers that you follow and everything. I'm surprised. I was acting surprised that you didn't see that. I, I people are very excited. She got nominated. Well, finally. right. There, there was a, that was a, a sort of a thing that people were like, I can't believe. The, you know, because yeah. that's very it's, it is it is really funny because it's the most you know it's like if ever there was you know this it's you know people are like it's like it's uh ten performances it's not just one I'm 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 <laughs> such a I'm really I'm a, I'm a, being a jerk because I'm not a, actually a fan of that show like I totally recognize the greatness of what she's doing I don't I don't like the thing that they've built around it I don't think it's that I'm not that impressed with it as a show I kind of I can't I've I have to say I agree I find the technical achievement of what she does impressive I feel like it's a little bit I it's not that I want it to be crazier I think I want it to go to yeah I guess I want it to be crazier I guess yeah. it's like a, a nuttier show than than the one we get it's very it's much more subdued I came in at the at the I came in late on it uh, and so I was, ex- I don't know what I was expecting based on, based on the things I was reading and the things people were telling me, but, um, it has produced a lot of smart writing. I just don't think that the show, I don't think the show isn't smart. I just, I, I'm not crazy about the show, but I do, I do. I am happy for her. I'm happy that the, the write-in campaign, I don't even know what, I mean, it's not a writing campaign, but whatever pressure Emmy voters were under or like, did, are they watching all of the, all of the episodes they're sent or whatever, however she got on the list. Um, but we have to talk about the, I mean, some of these categories have eight people in them. That's too many people. I mean, maybe it's not too many people because it, it does sort of save it probably get, it might get more people to watch like Keegan, Michael key, is an Emmy nominee, <laughs> but he's okay. Here's the weird part: he's an Emmy nominee. Excuse me, he's an Emmy nominee for yes. for best supporting actor in a comedy. Yeah, I well, know I, it's it's it, weird for a show where he his name is in the title and he's in yeah. all the sketches. Look, so if we're gonna go there. Are we really? Is this, are the Emmys making a statement about the sort of the importance of of Peel over Key? Are we are we saying that's what's up? Well, well, Peel didn't get nominated at all. I, well, I, well, I guess not. I mean, but no, but I mean, he was no, he was apparently shut out of the lead actor category. That means that right. he's Hall and <laughs> Keys Oats. I mean, like that's what that is. So, that's supporting. Uh, I don't look. I have a thing about who's supporting and who's not, but that's ridiculous. How can you be? 
a supporting actor in a show on your that own show. is your name. No, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. It's a it's a fine point. It's I, a fine point. Us also, and look, if we're gonna if we're gonna sit here and talk about uh, what's her face from 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 what's its face playing ten thousand people or from black, yeah. I mean, what? <laughs> he plays ten thousand people in one sketch at some point. I don't That's, know, man. I don't understand these. These, I mean, in some ways, yeah, I'm excited about these nominations in that there is a breadth of the television landscape, and there are people whose names I like. Like I thought that Elizabeth Banks was real. Elizabeth Banks, by the way, when when the end of the year conversations about who won 2015 happened, such a good year. Elizabeth Banks, come on! It's 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 as much. I mean, look, some people had a slightly better year. Like, I think you know the president is currently having a like a decent year. He's having. He's he probably thinks that he probably looks in the mirror every morning. He's like, you're you're having an Elizabeth Banks level year. He's thinking about. He's like, it's me. It's me and E Banks. I'm doing it. I, I mean, no, but we saw Magic Mike again on on Friday because oh, so Jen hadn't seen it. And I was, I was, I, I think I was the first man and I think of, uh, I was of a total of three to- all told. Like there was a moment when I looked back at the audience before the movie had started and I was like, I'm literally the only man in this room. Mm. Uh, I think really? ultimately I was joined by one or two dudes who were escorting dates, women, mm. Uh, but it, it was the most I've I've never real I've never felt that level of uh, of the, 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 like being you know the the part of the four percent. Um, it was good. It was actually it was weirdly it was uh, given that it was I was like oh this is it, this is going to be amazing this experience and it's going to be like you know going to the see the Magic Mike show in person. It's like going to be you know like going going to uh, whatever it is where they go. It's not Tampa. They, they're from, uh, from from Tampa. Oh, to to Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach, yeah. I was like, this is gonna be a Myrtle Beach level experience. Uh, right, it was right. not. Everybody was pretty chill, pretty sort of just like, huh, okay, that's a movie. Like, which which is disappointing. I was expecting like screaming, but still, seeing that again, she's great. And I actually, you know, and like she's, I, I didn't like Love and Mercy, but I, I thought she I did a good job. She is fine in Love and Mercy. She's really good, actually, given yeah. the constraints of the of the dumbass part she has to play. I mean, it's true. The woman, it, it is a real person, but it's just like it's written in, in the worst possible way. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm I'm not. Yeah, exactly. Like that person in real life is probably not a dumbass, but this is a it's just a dire part of the right. Story. No, it's just a it's just a it's a cliche is what it is. But she does the most with it. Can we talk for one second about an outstanding supporting actor in a comedy series? That's what we're here. Can for, we go back to man, that for a second? Go, no, I'm not moving on. I was just I was just sidetracking no, to give. You I know. Yeah, you know, I was echoing your banks. Yeah, appreciate. It. So wait, outstanding I, supporting actor in a comedy, in a comedy series. That's where Keegan Michael Key is in the Keegan Michael Key category. Yes. Yeah. There's a weird. Uh, it's like how does? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I just want to say that this is this might be like performance for performance the best, the best. I mean, Titus Bur- Titus Burgess is. I mean, hands down, your winner. But whatever. These these six people. And why only six? I don't quite understand why the why in some categories it's seven people, in some it's eight, some it's six, um, and then in some categories there are only five nominees. Um, I don't know. I I like that. I like that group of people. I like that Niecy Nash is nominated, but she's up against ten thousand other women. It's it's Mayim Bialik, Niecy Nash, Julie Bowen, Allison Janney, Kate McKinnon, Gabby Hoffman, Jane Krakowski, and Anna Klumski. 
I mean, is yeah. a sick, crazy that's a tough. List. That's a tough room. The, Again, there's, there's there's easily, yeah, there's a bu- there's any a one of those of women yeah. could win. I mean, How, Julie Bowen is. I think even though she's won like four times, I still think that. I don't think that I don't think that show gets enough props for just the technical achievement of the way it 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 balances all the stuff that it balances in a, in a, in 22 minutes. That show could not possibly get more props. I know, no, I know. There's no universe in which that show is underrated <laughs> in any sense. I guess sense. it's more like critics just sort of roll their eyes. I it I doesn't am... win. It gets it gets beat out for like a lot of the major poetry prizes, I think is the last <laughs> is the one thing it doesn't there's not Damn really... you Sharon Olds. It's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the creators of Modern Family do not have the Fields Medal for mathematics. <laughs> I think is the only thing that they don't win. But I I, I mean look, I I I yeah, I can't. Anyway, I, those eight women and I I don't know. There are a lot of I like that there's a there's a wealth of non-white people um, that is satisfying. Uh, I think there's some underrated, there's some overrated performances in this collection of people. Um, also, I, I'd never watched Better, Saul, Better Call Saul. Should, should I be doing that? I know I, that. I, yeah, we really liked it. I, I, I sort of went into it in a real, you know, it was a real down, like nothing was on kind of moment. And so it was just like, let's, we might as well do this. And I'd heard very mixed things about it. Ranging from mm. like it's nobody was saying like this is as good as Breaking Bad, obviously, but like it, you know, in terms of what it was, people were either saying like this is a, it's really fun or it's just it's it's just mediocre television that happens to you know and it's embarrassing or whatever. Because I, I watched the first two episodes and never went back, but that wasn't because of the show. It's just like it was a time thing, and I just it got away from me. I end up really liking it. Um, okay. Jonathan Banks, I don't know if they nominate. I actually don't know this about the Emmys, if they nominate by episode or if it's they just They do it by, of, you submit episodes and that's how that's yeah. how it works. He has, an, he has an episode that's like his Emmy nomination episode uh, mm, that is like mm. the backstory of, uh, of Mike Ehrmantraut and how he, you know, got to this, this point that where you find him. Because um, mm-hmm. they sort of have stuck him into the – I don't know. that I, I forget if on Breaking Bad it was ever established that they have a history with each other. But it's like Hannibal where they've sort of like – they're like, what if they were – Wait, uh, the history between Mike and Mike and, and, uh, and uh, Odenkirk, yeah. That, like, yeah, I think that it's clear that – yes. Because he comes through – But doesn't he come in through Giancarlo Esposito though? Like that's the so that's where he you know surfaces. It's through that side of things. I don't know. Oh, it doesn't no. matter. No, it's, I think he's always worked for, for Saul. I don't know. My memory of the of the of the order of the relationship might be unclear, but yeah, it it's, seemed to me it's really good. It's it has a it feels like it, it, you know sort of the funnier X Files episodes in a way, which makes sense okay. given the sort of the, the pedigree of everybody involved. Sure, you know, in sure. that way that sometimes Breaking Bad could feel X Files like, and it's sort of in its grossness. Okay. This feels this this sort of reminds me of the, you know the kind of more lighthearted ones, and it's it, it's it's good. And Michael McKean's good. And, you know, the whole thing is and it's and it's short. It's like 10 episodes. It feels, you know, you don't I think we're at 23 episodes, the sort of slowness and like not a whole lot happens because they're obviously like we need to play out this string and there's only a certain amount of time before he can become Saul. And then he's just Saul, you know, and then like, what are we what are we doing here? But, you know, in terms of something that I had no expectations for whatsoever and was not sure was a good idea, it has really worked. It really worked out for me. Um, okay. Beautiful well, uh, cinematography, also really, really okay. good-looking TV show. Um, what else is here? Uh, outstanding lead actor in a in a in a limited in a limited series or movie? Is that what we're calling them now? Limited series. A limited, a limited series. series. 
Okay. You know, like, uh, like um, Secret Wars. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, Timothy Hutton in American Crime. Oh, really? Is that limited? That was... Oh, it's limited. I guess we really did blow that one. Um... Ricky Gervais, Adrian Brody, he played Houdini. This is the thing about the Emmys that the Emmys are There's really good. Always for this. those things. There's where you're always like, Wait, like really? what? How did I miss that? Yeah, I mean David Ayello and, and Nightingale, which got a lot of like you should watch this coverage, but I never watched it. Richard Jenkins and Olive Kittredge, who I think is great, and Mark Rylance and Wolf Hall, which is like duh. Um, which you never watched, right? You, you, I never I watched that. I, I didn't watch Wolf Hall. Upon you to watch Wolf Hall. You, I never. I was not prevailed upon. I would. I, I spent a podcast telling you to watch. Oh, not it? a whole podcast. Not a whole I mentioned podcast. it in two sentences. Oh, I told maybe, you to watch yeah. Wolf I mean, that was. I like. I guess our definition of prevailing is different, but. <laughs> no, it is weird because who I don't I am not a movie of the week person. I mean, they're not called movies. Yeah, of the week apparently anymore, I never have been because since we were kids and these these would come out and I'd be like, wait, what? Joanne Wilbur was in a TV movie that I missed. I Hallmark Hall of Fame presentation of I, I always missed it. The Hallmark Hall of Fame does really they just send these right to the Emmys. Like <laughs> I don't think that's where they broadcast them. They just beam them into Emmy headquarters. Into the Sarah Plain and Tall every can. fifteen minutes. <laughs> is that, Sarah Plain and Tall is that up for anything this year? I feel like every year Sarah Plain and Tall gets a, gets that nod. Um, I literally Emma Thompson and Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Flea Street. That could be, that that could be anything. I have no that idea. Was, I mean, that's clearly was on PBS. Uh, I, I mean, I have no proof of that, but I'm assuming it's a, it's a live from Lincoln Center production. I'm assuming it's PBS. Chris Ryan um, told me to watch Honorable Woman. I, I did not, but uh, you didn't watch it. No, Ugh. I've been. I told you, Honorable Woman, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Of, I think that might be. Let's see what else. What other? I mean, I don't watch The Americans, which is my bad. No, it's not. Oh, Candy Alexander is nominated for Scandal. Oh, that's good. Oh yeah, she had a good year on Scandal. I mean, she wasn't in it that much. That's a, the, she wasn't. Well, it's, it's she a, a guest actress, oh, right. so, so she only goes, needed to. Yeah, exactly. You only need to be in it once or twice. Um, and uh, Paul Giamatti for Amy Schumer and Paul Giamatti are nominated for Inside Amy Schumer. Um, is Amy Schumer a lead actress in Inside Amy she, Schumer? Is that considered? She, is that a lead? Uh, role? Crazily enough, she is. Is that is that happening? I think I don't know. I'm gonna. Can I just play devil's advocate with the stupidity of that Key and Peele decision? Sure. Maybe they think that Key and Peele, um, just I don't know. I feel like the explanation for why they did it might be obvious. Like they just the between the two of them, they just may or maybe the episodes he submitted he just didn't have that much screen time in. I don't know. Somebody sitting Actually, there with a stopwatch. Being, I don't know, but you you're. Know. Your favorite Ben Ben Mendelsohn. My dude Ben Mendelsohn is up for Bloodline. Um, nobody saw that, I'm assuming. So nobody's. That's not okay. So what's actually going to win there? Um, is uh, Jonathan Banks better call Saul? He never won. Obviously, oh, he or, never won for for, for won Breaking Bad. So that's like a make good he, for Breaking. Aaron Bad. Paul stole them all. Yeah, that make that makes sense. Um, and then, was was Peter Dinklage? Did he have a good Game of Thrones season last year? Was uh, last yeah. Yeah, last year was good. Last okay. year was good. I think. I think that's a yeah. He had a big. He had, yeah. He had a big. Sort of. He was on trial. He got all kinds of stuff. That was like that was a big thing. Like he, you know, okay. yeah. He he killed a bunch of people. It was cool. Um, I don't so know, that's a surprisingly boring category to me. I mean, yeah. Michael Kelly. I mean, I'm happy for Michael Kelly. Talk about a guy who's been around for a long time and just like people just look the other way. Uh, nominated for House of Cards because you know they basically built that whole season around his character. Um. Christina Hendrickson, happy to see. 
Oh yeah, who got from so uh, Elizabeth Moss got from Mad Men. John, John Hamm, Hamm, Elizabeth Moss, Christina Hendricks, and I think that's it. And so John Hamm will 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 John Hamm get it just because of the 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 Mad Men? Uh... Um, I mean, who's who's he up against? Uh, oh actually, yeah, probably. Yeah, he probably who, will. Who's going to win? Unless they give it. To, yeah, I mean, it's actually. Kind I mean, of Jeff light. Daniels <laughs> again. Again with the Jeff Daniels? I don't know. Well, that's Actually, the thing about look, the Emmys, right? That you can, you can just win. You can just keep winning. You can just keep winning. You can just keep racking I mean, up at the Emmys. Who was the person who was... I, was it was it Kelsey Grammer at some point who was just like, this is just too embarrassing? Or was it John Lithgow? I think one of those two guys just like... They just kept winning and it was... It, it, they just refused to submit themselves for nominee, Or they refused to have themselves stop, submit yeah, it. Get, get um I could have. I'm pretty sure it was one of those two guys, or like it just became this thing where they would keep winning and and they just find reasons to just oh god please no don't let me win, uh, it's too embarrassing. Um, yeah, I don't know how. Uh, the, my one complaint before we get out of here, the number one, I'm like, you know, all the people who are going crazy over over uh, uh, Tatiana Mons- Maslani last year and the year before that, I'm gonna start going crazy over. Tracy Ellis Ross because Anthony Anderson is a, is a lead actor nominee, but Tracy Ellis Ross who does all the comedy on that show is not nominated. I mean, that's that to me is just, that is, that's crazy. That's insane on blackish. Have you, I mean, she's just, she's great. She's the funniest thing on that show. She is a real true comedian. I mean, with all due respect to Amy Schumer and I mean, Oh God, Amy Poehler for Parks and Recreation. Oh my God! Talk about talk about kill me now. Thank God that's over. So Nurse Jackie still <laughs> that's still happening. The same for Nurse Jackie. I mean the, the lead actress in a comedy series nominees. It is now with the exception of Julie, Julie Louis Dreyfus, who should just be she should just be in that just, whatever. She'll just she's a genius and she deserves to be there. I think Edie Falco, that show was good for the first two seasons and I think Edie Falco carried it on its back. Her back is broken. <laughs> I think th- the show is over now so we don't have to complain about this maybe maybe it's still eligible for next year. But um Amy Poehler, this is her last year of eligibility for this. Um Gr- Lily Tomlin for Grace and Frankie, the worst show ever to stream anywhere ever. <laughs> It's so bad. Do you know that? Okay. I haven't seen it. I didn't watch it. I heard I heard things. I heard it's, lots of things. This is, it's, the, it's, this is the strongest opinion I've heard about it. Also. Oh, man. It's really bad. But that show is... You know that I wish that I had thought about... I wish I had known this was nominated before we started recording because I would have given Joe uh, the Carly Simon song that most epitomizes this show to me. And it's Attitude Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that can be arranged, and now it has to be. Do the what to see in your new attitude? I mean, this saw this show is just like this show. It's basically Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, two women who hate each other, but whose lawyer husbands wind up falling in love with each other and running off and getting married. It in nineteen eighty, it would have been hoary. It would have been like just tired and old and retirement home oriented in nineteen eighty. It is twenty fifteen, but this show is conducting itself in a way that is like it is a it's, it's like a badge of honor that to be able to do this and make these statements in twenty fifteen in the same year that the Supreme Court made gay marriage legal. 
So anyway. it's it's like, I mean, it's that kind of jokes. Like they're making fun of. Oh know, like, man! If only you. I'm maybe I'm making this sound like it's soap. It's not soap. Well, yeah, it's it does. Dirt. I was thinking soap. <laughs> yeah, that's the opposite. No, it's yeah, it's it was, bleach. I don't. Right. <laughs> That would be a, yeah, that would be a dark show. I don't know. No, but I'm thinking yeah, it's like that. It's just like yeah. So it's it, it, it like I should have known because he was always lighting the loafers kind of jokes. Like it's like um, I, like it's that. They, kinda... There's a few of those. There's yeah. too much time with the kids. Oh, and wow. honestly, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin are not the two people you want doing a show like this. I mean, Jane Fonda is is wonderful in in lots of other things in this iteration of her career, but. Like brittle, entitled, bitter. It just none of it. None of it really. I don't know. She's a very it, specialized uh, weapon, James Fon- Jane Fonda. Always has been. Yeah, I think. I think you don't it, take it is, her out. You don't take that out of the the, the Jane Fonda golf club out of the uh, the golf bag for no. just any situation. Anyway, I guess we'll come back at some point and talk about the the winners. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> when's the show? Is it I September? <laughs> I don't know. It's got to be. It's probably late August at this point. That's when they normally are. That's that's when they moved it to. They aren't normally in September, but September twentieth. So never mind. I'm wrong. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, Joe, hit me with some attitude dancing. We'll be right back. A soldier the size of an insect. The ultimate secret weapon. If you give godlike powers to everyone, it's gonna be chaos. So how do we stop him? I know a guy. Ant-Man. Um controversial movie before it was released. Because it was supposed to be an Edgar Wright movie, and then it Please wasn't. Explain. Yeah, oh, I mean, can we just leave it at that, or is there more to it? Uh, no, I don't think there's that. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I think that's what everybody... It, it, this one was kind of destined to be sort of looked at in a weird way because the, it really sort of highlights the, the way that these movies work now, which is that nobody gets to you know go outside of you know a certain certain zone. I mean, I think mm-hmm. basically, you know, this, like, I you know... Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish have been working on this movie since like 2006. I mean, it's or f- further back than that. Like I looked it up, like it was announced around the same time that as like, and John Favreau is going to make an Iron Man movie. Like mm-hmm. they really, this goes back to before they really knew that if any of these things were going to work and before, you know, Marvel was this juggernaut that it is now. Um, and it was conceived as one thing. It was conceived as, you know, Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish, the, you know, the makers of, uh, you know, fine uh, comedic films making a sort of, funny weird ant-man movie about a superhero that nobody cares about mm-hmm. and obviously you know cut to several years later and marvel's not in the business of putting out weird movies that maybe aren't gonna you know about superheroes that nobody cares about like you have to mm-hmm. be they're, they're in the business of making you care about these superheroes a lot and making everything's feel of vital importance to everything so this thing that was once going to be like a weird sideline idea you know, supposedly goes through some process to make it more like one of these movies or more like that. I think it's actually given all of that. I think it's remarkably its own thing. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't mm-hmm. it, I agree. I, 
I I was not I, I didn't fall in love with it and I didn't it did you know but it's certainly it's more fun and has its own voice more than a lot of these kinds of movies tend to. Whose, I really voice had that is I don't time. know. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean it doesn't it that's a really great way to characterize the level of fun I had. I'm not thinking about it in terms of who the author of the film is. Um I just liked it as a product. I had a really good time with it as a product and it's got enough wit and personality and like simplicity. I don't know. It was such a pleasure to sit at one of these movies and be able to understand what the stakes were. And when I didn't like, I might not understand the, 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 the ins and outs of destroying the facility, you know, Pym laboratories where the suit is. But I understand that the point is that Paul Rudd is playing a professional thief basically who whose latest job winds him winds him up in the employ of michael douglas who needs him to put on his old ant-man suit in order to stop the new ant-man suit or the new bug suit yellow jacket uh, from being sold to oh yellow jacket i mean it also from being sold to to bad people and getting um henry hank pym's uh former protege uh, from making a lot of money at, with the sale of this dangerous suit, uh, which is designed as a, this is, I mean, I also love that it remind this movie also reminds you that the Marvel universe at some point was really about trying to find these great defense strategies for soldiering. Yeah. Especially like and, Iron Man is all cold war stuff. Like it comes out yeah, of, yeah, he's a war yeah. profiteer and it's not even like, Oh, I'm a war profiteer and I feel bad about it. If you read the first issue of Iron Man, he's just he's a he's an American advisor in counting Vietnam. them dollars. Yeah, he's just making bank and then he's just and then suddenly, you know, he like gets, you know, blown up and stuff. But yeah, it's like initially like it's, you know, and obviously Iron Man makes that into a thing. But it's not a thing. It's just something that it was like good for him going out there selling, you know, like helping the 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 cause against communism, you know, it's great. Uh yeah, no, it, it, you're right. It does it has that, you know, Classic Marvel U, old, you know, defense contracting. And, like, there's that you know, montage of what they're going to do with the, the war suits and, you know. Right. But I also like the way it, 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 you don't need to, I mean, look, this, as you said, this was nobody's, or very few people's favorite Marvel character. Um, this was not somebody people were dying to see. Actually, when, I remember when they announced this, and I don't remember if it was the, at the point at which Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish were attached to it, or whether it was at some some later stage while they were still attached. But at some point, I just thought this is a parody of this whole of where all the, where the movies are going. Right? This is like we have have we reached bottom so quickly that we now are making Ant Man part of the the superhero canon. Really? Um, but. But I think that was, all the, that was the idea, though. Like that, right? Of course, that's, that's I, the yeah, problem. That, that's the thing. It's that like, was lost on me. That was that part was lost on me. Right. That's what I sort of. That, it was like either you can do something that has a huge amount of. I mean, like Iron Man was not something that people had a huge amount of preconceptions about, sort of as a movie character at that point. Nor you know, were like, the Avengers at all. Yeah, really, nobody right? really I knew. Mean, who, yeah, that was the weird thing about it was that sort of like because like Marvel Studios didn't have Spider Man, it didn't have Wolverine, it didn't have like you know like. It didn't have the sort of the people that are like, you know, like when I talk to my wife who doesn't know anything about the, these things except like what people kind of know through osmosis, you know, and I was I remember explaining to her about Avengers and she was like, oh, is Superman in that? And I was like, no. Superman. <laughs> She's like, how about Batman? <laughs> I was like, no. Like, what about Wonder Woman? Like, it's like the real sort of like, you know, the, the, the like 
it's weird because like the for all their sort of like you know like like the difficulties of like Superman as a franchise, it's still he's much more famous for being a superhero than Iron Man was, or at least like in two thousand three that was the case. But the yeah, idea was, that was with, probably always true. But like yeah, the idea with Ant Man was you you can do whatever you want because nobody there's no like real you know and I don't please don't if you're you know the huge Ant Man fans out there I don't really exist and everything there's huge fans of everything but. It was not there. It, there's not this giant infrastructure that is has been waiting years and years and years to see Ant Man on screen. It was just like a weird thing that like would be fun to do and like would sort of you know, um, without and and so it's been brought into the sort of mainstream Marvel universe in a bigger way. Obviously, in this movie, there's a you know there are cameos by Avengers. Yeah, um, and I didn't I thought those were well enough done and they didn't but they also do kind of remind you that this like what feel what felt to me, I think I might have liked this a little bit more than you did. I felt like this special little crumb of a movie was going to get sucked into it's inevitably going to get sucked into the Marvel tractor beam. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's almost set up for that. It's just another. It's another shell <laughs> to <laughs> shove some money under, or maybe a silo to stuff some money in. Um, it's a two-hour thing attached to a post-credits stinger. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, well. But it's even, not. I mean, I feel. I think but it's, that but was also the, isn't. You know, because it works as its own movie. Yeah. No, it really does. It really has its. Uh, I. I. You know. Uh, uh, my biggest problem with these films, and I've uh, you know natter on about it on this podcast all the time, but it's that they're not they, they is that they have a uniformity of tone that mm-hmm. the comics don't necessarily have, and the uniformity the genre that they're working in is Marvel Universe movie. You know, it's not here is a movie about this character and these you know it, like generally speaking, I feel like they just feel really samey to me and I'm excited that this one is that they've you know and maybe it's because of how it was conceived and like this is not going to be true going forward but this one seems they figured out that it's okay it's not a superhero movie it's a heist movie that happens to have a superhero origin story within it in the sense that this guy has to put on the suit but the objective is not Paul Rudd needs to, you know, become a superhero. The objective is Paul Rudd needs to go in, a, you know, as they say, go in a, you know, facility and steal some, shit. and like that's right. a, it's a heist, and it's like it has three heists within it. There's that, you right. know, they sort of have like a, you know, there's an a, there's a beginning heist, and there's a later, you know, all that stuff. Uh, there's a, you I, know, kind of when you have to go steal the pinch from Ocean's Eleven, basically, but it's right. the size of a, you know, loaf of bread. <laughs> I. <laughs> Well, right. This in this movie, you he gets to, like the like the first heist is there there, there's whatever he thinks he's going to steal is not actually there. Yeah. Um, but I there there's a couple devices in this movie that I think are ingenious. One of which I think you know, which is the montage. The my cousin told me montage. The Michael Pena. The Michael Pena. My cousin told me montage in which Michael Pena's character, there he and Paul Red's character Scott Lang are roommates, and so he tells Michael Pena's character tells. Paul Rudd about this job but it but in telling him the job it's this long-winded my cousin told me and then his cousin says that somebody told him and that that somebody then has somebody tell them and the whole thing is narrated by Michael Pena but each individual person who tells the next person the thing that they have to tell them is speaking or lip-syncing Michael Pena's voice. It's really funny and suggests a world beyond the Marvel world. Yes. That that is it's just as like it's like a breath of fresh air. Like somebody opened a window and here you are 
in I don't know, maybe Oakland. Yeah, I don't San even Francisco, the mission. It's around. Yeah it's, yeah, it's supposed to be the Bay Area, <laughs> and that's. I mean, even that the fact that it's not New York again is nice. You know, the fact that it actually has it feels like it's set in a real place, and that the place is not New York City, the city of all the you know of of the Fantastic Four and the Avengers and. All those things. Yeah, Michael Payne is my new favorite Marvel Universe, Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe character. And I Number that, one with a bullet, Michael Payne. I mean, look, if they're going to have, if the next, you know, whatever, if in Civil War or whatever, there's going to be some equivalent to that party scene where everybody shows up and it's like, oh, here's, you know, whatever. Here's here's Kobe Smulders. Here's all the, you know, like that whole, the, where they just bring out everybody they can get who's available. You know, I hope that he keeps coming in. I hope that he shows up in something. I hope that he gets to expository, expositorily, you know. Can I humorlessly express a different wish, but along the same lines? (laughs) Go ahead. Why not just give Michael Pena his own movie? See, that's interesting. Yeah. What if they just started making things? But that's what you think about when you watch that sequence. Like, okay, 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 okay. Wait a minute, you guys. Every cool thing in this movie that is not Paul Rudd or Michael Douglas who who plays Hank Pym is a brown person who is just as charismatic and as interesting and as integral to the plot as Michael Douglas and, and Paul Rudd. Like, and, and, and to have Anthony Mackie basically the only Avenger on staff in this movie playing a security guard, more or less, let's be honest, this yeah. is a function in this movie. Like, why not just get it over with and just, I mean, I don't even want Michael Pena to play a superhero. Just give him something and don't even come at me with that Cesar Chavez stuff, please. <laughs> I know. He played Cesar Chavez. Cesar Chavez, the, the superhero, the Mexican superhero, Cesar Chavez. <laughs> um, well, I, I mean, mean, that's I, the thing. It's like he can't, he can't, there's not, there's not a Michael Pena movie unless it's like Michael Pena becomes the Red Hulk, you know, like, it, or whatever. Like, it has to right. be. I don't want him to play, I don't want him in the, I just want, give him Beverly Hills Cop 6. Oh, you're just, oh, you're saying, oh, okay, okay. I'm just no, in you're general. saying, well, yes, I totally, I agree with you in, 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 broad, if that's what you're saying, then yes, I feel like. Anytime he shows up in anything, doesn't it just make you happy? Aren't you just glad you came? Ever since, yes, ever, all the way back, More like, or observe less. and report. Like, there's never, he is. He is whatever he is like. He is hand claps. He is one of those things that just has never made anything worse. Oh, um, it's yeah, unusually sort of tips yep. it up. Yeah, he's like one of those. Th- it's like the, you know the you know in any song, the, no song with with hand claps would be better without them. In the same way, no movie with Michael Pena would be better without. Yeah, him. there's never been. I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't think of a counterexample. But yeah, no, and that whole but that whole sequence that it's like, oh, there's like real people doing real things in in this world and they're not just running for their lives and like you just realize how little of that there is in the rest of these. No, and it's that, vibrant. I mean, like you want to be in that world in those two montages. Yeah. I to- I, know? I I totally agree. Um, and and I also like the device of the suit itself. It's like I love the fun that the filmmakers and the effects crew and the editor, the editing in this movie is fantastic, by the way. Yeah. Like finding the comedy in the shrinking, in, in the proportionality, in the sort of, in when to cut away from an action sequence to show it from, from a human, from a human, like when, 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 when Paul Rudd's character, when Ant-Man is shrunken in an action sequence set on like a, tr- a toy train, where the editors have to know when to pull back and cut to what it would look like to you or me standing there watching yeah, a rem- fight on a toy train. Right, and remind you of that scale. 
and, and the, yeah, it's really that that stuff is really well done. You can tell they're having a really good time. That like the people doing the effects are psyched that they don't have to sit here animating a guy punching another guy through a building again. Yes, you know? yes. And like, there's a little bit of that in this movie, but they they managed to turn it on its head enough. So that it's both fun for them, it seems, and for us. Yeah, it's a little bit like, you know, that it was obviously like in those X-Men movies when they started having uh, the, when Alan Cumming was Nightcrawler in there and you had the Nightcrawler fights where he's like, you know, teleporting around the room, you know, mm-hmm. like there's just a different kind of physics than you're used to in in a movie like this that, you know, there's just a different way that the powers work. It's just, you know, and you can you can tell you can tell when people aren't bored. Right, I feel like. right, right, and that and does I mean, it's so funny that you put it that way because that's exactly what I felt watching this movie. It's like the 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 filmmakers' fun w- is really contagious, and it just sort of erases or and erodes all your skepticism. Like I was just kind of like, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? Like Paul Rudd, I'm so tired of his like smug thing, and I wish he never started in Judd Apatow movies and this. and. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, wait, Paul Rudd is actually enjoying himself. Like, he's having a good time. So I'm going to have a good time. And the cuts, the cut, the action sequences are shot and filmed and, and, and produced in a way that seems fun. I don't mind watching Evangeline Lily. Oh, my God. And she isn't bad. And I don't know. I just, I, I really liked, I also liked the fun it had with the original Ant-Man Wasp mythology and, yeah, I like you that know, too because there's not. Yeah, there's. It has a sense of. It gives you a sense of history that, that these movies also don't really have. The idea that there were superheroes before the superheroes that you maybe just mm-hmm. didn't know about that predate Iron Man. You know right. that idea and like that sort of that. You know that kind of. It's weird because they don't really make Janet the original Wasp into. It's, it's she never is a character. You know, there's never a right. person in that suit, and you like you don't. I don't even know. Is there an actress associated with it? I don't even know. Like there, there's obviously yeah, but I don't. You don't know who she is. There's somebody wearing a suit and doing things in that, but you're never. It's not like you know, and you know, because she's dead when we get there, or she's she's not. There's no you know, she's semi dead. But it's, it's right. never. It could have been. I would, I would have liked like Jessica Walter as like a older <laughs> Janet Van. Dyne. No, I mean there is this. They use physics. This really sort of interesting idea in physics. Uh, to create this possibility that anything could happen in a subsequent film. And in the meantime, there's another really good payoff with that information, too. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, I just really like the in, the, what, what for now is an insular movie-going experience that exists on its own terms, and yet, you know, obviously it has these tributaries that lead back into the into the larger river of the series, of, of, of the Avengers series. But... I don't know. I just had a really good time with this. I'm glad I I'm glad it got made. I did not wonder what an Edgar Wright version was like, which is also a testament to the fun that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not watching it wondering or like feeling there's a feeling like there's an artistic lack of something because Edgar Wright is no longer associated with it. it you know, I can't say whether it's better or worse for his not being involved directly. He still has a screenwriting credit. He and Joe Cornish do. But I don't know. As the, the movie that Peyton Reed has directed really works and it's really fun. And I, I'm, I'm, I, it's, I mean, I think it might be the biggest surprise I've had this summer in, term, in terms of going to the movies, just based on what I thought was going to happen versus what happened. And, you know, we spent Jurassic World talking about Amblin Entertainment and that sort of thing. And this movie is totally another one of those kinds of, of Amblin movies. Yes. Um, it you know, just the. Me. Go ahead. Oh no! I mean, I was just gonna. It's just it's one of it's it's in that family. 
It reminds me a lot of uh, the Rocketeer, which I don't. I'm not uh, positive yeah. if that was a you know an Amblin movie or not. Um, I don't know. I think Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I think is yes. There's some shrinkage uh, in the Amblin <laughs> history, um, but yeah, it reminds it reminds me of that, and it reminds me of the way that the Rocketeer felt in the summer when the Rocketeer came out. That you might be, it was maybe not the thing that you were most looking forward to, but it ended up being one of the most fun movies of that uh, summer, which was. To tell you, uh, I think it was ninety one. Ninety one, yeah. So, yeah. and I know Joe Johnston did it, and he's a Joe. Joe Johnston is an Amblin person. I don't know. I don't think that yeah. was. An, I think it's Disney. Yeah, um, it was a Disney. It was yeah. It was like Hollywood Pictures or something like that. It was one of those Disney. You know, so yeah, it was not. You know, the big movies of that summer it was like. Judgment but it Day was and, from that you know. era when that's how movies worked, whether they mm-hmm. were Amblin movies or not, and. So I totally understand what you mean. And I told the Rocketeer is the perfect thing that this also reminds like also because the stakes are so small. I mean, in terms of what the, although this movie was expected to like make a zillion dollars and didn't, I remember that as a kid, like, you know, you being hit over the head with the fact that the Rocketeer wasn't a, a huge blockbuster or it didn't make blockbuster dollars, but was, was, was poised and pitched as one. Um, but I don't know. I liked the mythology of that movie. And I mean, it's a different mythology, obviously, but um, yeah, it still it fits very much within that. 91 was a weird, uh, it's a weird summer. I'm looking what at else the, were you thinking I'm about? Just, I'm just looking at like 91 was like Jungle Fever. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it uh, Hot Shots, I think, came out that summer? What were the big <laughs> ones? 91 the big uh, Prince, of was Thieves. That? Prince of Thieves Prince of was Thieves. a big one yeah. for that yeah. for that 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 moment yeah uh, well These are I mean ideas. maybe you know maybe in 10 years we'll be talking about 2015 as not being a bad summer too no I think that's actually that like we, we, we haven't really discussed that yet but it's been pretty good so far um, oh, uh, Bill and Ted's bogus journey does that count mobsters point break 91 oh, man break. still haven't watched it yeah <laughs> wait you still haven't seen point break no. like in in your life <laughs> never seen it i mean are uh, you thinking about it <laughs> i'm gonna i i gotta watch it i admitted this in public once before and have i'm still hearing about it so i'm not look no i'm not gonna I'm due be for like, another round i'm just no i'm i'm not like i'm not mad i'm just surprised no of course not I, it is surprising it's surprising i've never seen it's a, never that's seen a good break. movie man i mean it's, it's like it's one of those so ones, i hear it's one of those ones where you can get you you i think it's possible at this point to be turned off by it because of the people who are the people who like it like it too much you know, mm-hmm. it's gotten into that zone, I think, where it's it can't possibly. It's like I, I refer to that as the Princess Bride zone, but like, it's, oh yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, we if we've never seen Point Break, all right, we'll, we'll make that happen at some point. Um, I'm I'm gonna come out. We're gonna watch it together. Uh, well, you gotta you gotta hurry though, because you have to at least you know. There's the you know the the, the new Point Break. Oh dropping. well, I'll so you get gotta out. see I'll, it before that. You gotta, I'll be you know. there next week. All right. All right, we'll be right back with some odds and ends. Yeah. So we've been having this conversation, you and I, about uh, these summer songs or whatever, the cliche of the song of the summer. I just want to put I want to put an end to it right now. I want to say that Fetty Wap owns the summer. He is the Pharrell Williams of 2013 
of 2015? Yes or no? Uh, absolutely yes. I'm with that. I think we didn't talk about him and that song as a jam of the summer contender because it's earlier than no. summer. It's been, it's it summer, well, been out. Right, but I'm but ready. It, it's so omnipresent. It has proven so enduring and omnipresent. It's just going to be like a standard kind of like, you know, like Kumbaya. Or, and now there's two other songs, though. Now there's 679. Yeah. I mean, which I think is <laughs> a, like a way catchier song. Um, I love this song. Yeah, see, I like anything that sort of really embraces the, the, the weirdness of autotune. I mean, we've had this conversation before that I'm, yeah. I'm just a big autotune fan. I have no objection to it. And I've, I I think autotune might be the Michael Pena of uh, vocal treatments. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, my thing about Fetty Wap, though, is, I mean, it really helps if you don't have to spend too much time looking at him. Um, he just, you know, he, but you know, he's got this eye thing that I'm, you know, there's a story about and, you know, I, I, I don't know. There's something about him that, that, that makes me a little uncomfortable. Um, like I should be not listening to his music, but asking him to like eat a meal. He's <laughs> just so skinny. Um, but you know, there's something, his auto tune self it's it's interesting to me how that device can really there's a kind of soulfulness that comes through it and his version of that is kind of comical and also sort of forlorn and it doesn't quite have that I mean I guess all those I mean when Kanye uses it it's the same effect um future um who is the obvious person I'm not remembering right now? Oh, Young Thug. <laughs> um, yeah, T Pain. That's well, the T Pain is yeah. Poor T Pain, by the way. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, it, yeah, he's the first. He, he's the he first man win. on the moon. But he, I mean, he was he he uh, gave it up though. He he went off and well, started his own. He created his own thing that was the T Pain thing. He moved away from autotune because he was he was just popularizing it and you know not getting anything out of it. So I think he ran a proprietary uh, voice processing technology that I'm not sure exactly how that. Uh, yeah, worked. I had been using autotune as though it were Xerox, but it actually is like a brand. It is. It's a company, and it was invented. I I love the the so the whole history of autotune. It's like it was invented for some like initially for some kind of uh, it was for like mining. It was like an algorithm for uh, you know sort of looking for you know like fracking, I guess, or something like that. There was some kind of connection to you know geology and you know doing the math required to figure out where the oil was or whatever, and then it's you now it's become what it's become. Uh, oh, that's funny. I am just the thing that I love about. It, I think I, I feel like I've said this before, but like my favorite, the, what I like about it is that it, it, it democratized singing as a thing that suddenly anybody could do, and I think that's why people hate it. I think that's the core of the objection that suddenly mm -hmm. you don't have to practice and get good at singing in order to be a singer. But what I love about it is but that these are people who could never sing in the first place. Well, that's what I'm. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. That's why. Right. I, that's what I love about it is that like there's suddenly the whole vocabulary, the whole like emotional vocabulary of R and B 
and that kind of singing, that kind of like you know romantic. You know that's what that that's what Trap Queen is. It's like somebody's like I can make this song. You know that might have been like at one point, like in 1988, that would have been a rap song about you know a Trap Queen, and it would not have had the reach that it has. And it would not have had the sort of like the sort of weirdness that it has, and the you know the kind of like the charm that it has because it's somebody who you know I mean my Young Thug is my favorite example of this. Of somebody who just suddenly has has really taken to that and has like suddenly like that's been opened up to them, you know, in ways that they never they never could. And it's like it's kind of people who never sort of would probably just would not have even thought to try to do a song like that in the past mm-hmm. or like would have you would have had like Keith Sweat on the hook or whatever. And it would have just been, you know, a song with an R&B singer and a rapper like sort of working together. But it's like, you know, I like the idea that like best rap sung collaboration is now a Grammy that like one person could win. <laughs> you know, I like. I'm. I'm. I'm into that. I'm totally in yeah. favor of it, and like, I'm not getting tired of that aspect of it because it's just so. It's just like you know, it's just different kinds of people. Suddenly, it's as if like you know, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm. I'm down. I'm. I'm all for Fetty Wap. Okay. Well, in other way. news, what are you holding while, in your hand? While Fetty Wap is owning the summer on the radio, somebody else is clogging the bookstores. Um. So I stood in the book, my local bookstore. Uh, this week with a, I mean, I was in a little bit of a quandary. Uh, I had, I, you know, I didn't, I had a copy of the Ta-Nehisi Coates book. Didn't need to buy that. Um, but I, I stood there watching this book sit on the shelf. Then I picked it up. We've talked about this before. And part of the reason I was so hesitant to purchase it was because we'd had this conversation. It's the Harper Lee book. And, I go set a watchman came out the other day. People, you know, the, the, the insanity over this book is, is indeed quite insane. It got insaner, Um, which I didn't expect to happen. I thought we'd been through (laughs) the insanest part. Right. She had, there was, there was, there was a plot twist apparently in the, in the story of the book, not in the book itself, but you know, our old, our old friend Atticus Finch really upset about taking that Confederate flag down. (laughs) <laughs> would apparently would not have been happy about that at all. So he's now, you know, cranky old guy with, with racist views, but it's not, um, we should, I mean, not that if you don't know this, it's it, this book pre is a work of fiction. Well, it's a work of fiction. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it, it predates the writing of To Kill a Mockingbird, and now yes. I guess I guess To Kill a Mockingbird is the the the, the sweetened up version, and this is the this is the original version, and like it's funny Whoa. to think like this you know this is these are takes on these characters, these are initial takes on these characters that were I guess you know that were softened and in, in some way like in the you know in the in the process of of making you know Scout and Atticus and all that right into the I people mean, it- that we got to know. It does sort of speak to right. I mean, I think I don't know. I mean, you're making a point that it. I mean, it is sort of speaking to how we receive how we receive these books in the first place. I mean, the reason I stood in the bookstore though, trying to figure out whether or not to buy it, was like, I, I we still. I mean, the great mystery of the book is: does Harper Lee want us to even be reading it? Yeah, and now that we have it, I kind of understand. I really understand why this is an important question. Right. Well, I think the answer is no. I mean, I feel like it's. I think the answer is that that someone told her that this was happening, and she was like, "Okay." And that's that is that counts as 
approval, you know, that of this of this happening. It's not like she wants this. She, you know, as far as we know, she does not actively want it suppressed. But I don't know. I just don't. I don't buy it. Now that they're talking about there might be a third one, I feel like they're just scraping and <laughs> tupacking this catalog. <laughs> you know, and it's just not. I do, I feel I feel creepy about it. And I and yeah, it's not. No, I don't give a whatever about who, whether or not the fictional character Atticus Finch, because I think it's a, it's an insane debate anyway. It's like this is the way that we talk about fictional characters. It's as if like, well, I mean, it, yeah, but in this case, given what Atticus Finch has come to represent for so many people, right. No, I love either. This, I mean, yeah. even though it's out of proportion with with, I mean, the quality of the first book. And, you know, and what I think is a pretty mediocre movie, frankly, but he, Atticus Finch is like, he's, he has come to symbolize something about race in this country that makes people feel really good. Yeah. So it's almost like, it, you know, the idea that this guy would probably be at least a little bit racist, given his the milieu that he came from, makes sense, I guess. Right. But yeah, right. and it's but like, it, yeah. I'm having a hard time reconciling how <laughs> how the how the Gregory Peck version of Atticus Finch, which is not ter- which is which is a, like a stone's throw away from from the Atticus Finch in Harper Lee's book, becomes the guy that that you experienced. I mean, I'm not finished with this book yet. I'm only a third of the way through, but it just there 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 is some incongruity between the two. But I think that's the I think that sort of it's the point. It's like because this was never meant as a sequel. You know, it's it's not this like this is the problem. It's yeah, that's that's really I think that's really what it is. It's it's not like, oh, there's there's a sequel to Jerry Maguire and Jerry Maguire's mad homophobic in this, you know, <laughs> like it's just it like and it's, it's like, why? That doesn't make any sense. Why would he change? Why would he become that? He didn't act like that before. You know, it's like suddenly and like it, that's not how, that's not what it is. It's like somebody wrote a thing and then later on they wrote another thing that like use those characters and that was the thing that came out and the first one was like meant to not come out you know i don't know i feel i i'm I'm, i get like i get like why people sort of burn their papers when they die or like order their papers to be burned and stuff like that it just creates these weird kind of shadow canons that aren't necessarily supposed to be there you know and i think we'll never really know like how much Harper Lee has to do with this. I don't know. The one thing I saw somebody saying, which is true, it's like, how about instead of buying this book, like there's a a bajillion novels by novelists who actually wanted their novels to come out that you could go and pay retail for. And like the novelists would probably appreciate if you did that. So I'm, I'm, I'm echoing that call for things. You you might actually be getting a better book too. You often many of you, you were probably in a good, you know, is it good? That's a question. Is it any good? I mean, look, it's, it is well written. It is just so, I mean, provincial is the wrong word. I, I, I don't know. I mean, there, there, there is this kind of attention, this inattention to the way the black characters function in this book that really does make you think that somebody at some point said to her, you know, you might want to think about, you know, you don't have to make any of the black characters characters, but you kind of want to make them people <laughs> or like find a way to like to give them some some humanity or even just not even humanity, just humanness. Like like two dimensions. Right. Like at least, at least, you know, come up like this trial, for instance, is a real I mean, the trial in To Kill a Mockingbird, it doesn't it doesn't 
it, it gives humanity to it, it gives humanity without like having to be responsible for giving humanness. Um, I mean, Boo Radley is ultimately way more interesting um, than any black person in that book. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it's it's not bad. But I mean, that person, whoever made that point about buying the novels of, of a person whose books actually are asking to be read is is a really good point. It's just as a person who also is responsible for knowing what the hell is going on with oh, sure. crazy I'm stuff. I'm not in the shaming country. you. No, no, no. But I mean, look, I, I stood in that bookstore in front of that shelf for 10 minutes while people kept asking me, are you okay, sir? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to figure out whether to buy this book here. I, so I wait, did know. you, did you have, can I just ask, were you standing there? Did I hide with, the book in another book when I went to the register? No, 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 no. I was saying, were you standing there with Ta-Nehisi's book and the I was holding a defensive like, kind of book. Hefting, yes. Yes. Hefting yes. to. <laughs> I was holding the Don Winslow book and, and the Ta-Nehisi book, which I didn't even need to buy. So you're like, I, I like, like this, uh, Tanahasi Coates book, uh, some combs, a uh, pint of old Harper, um, the new the To Kill a Mockingbird sequel. Hey, wait a minute, what what was that? Okay. Um, I'll just keep okay. making jokes about that scene from American Graffiti for the rest of my life, and no one will understand me. I'm already getting to the point where nobody nobody gets that. What? Who doesn't get that joke? I, nobody watches that movie, and it's not part of the movies that people watch anymore. Like them, yeah. I was just I was making a joke about it the other day, and somebody was like, "What?" I, nobody, you know. Oh my god. Okay. Well, I mean, not because it's it. Whatever. Okay. That, that, that's a conversation for another time. Like how nobody really that's surprised. I mean, it's not that surprising, but. No, there's just some, somebody else's people's American. You know, I feel like can't hardly well, wait is people's American graffiti. Now. Right, like so many people have stolen that sequence though that like yeah. it kind of doesn't. It no longer has a source. Well, also it's yeah. I mean, the idea of I guess he's there's always the sort of you know the issue of like buying buying liquor is always is always a thing. But you know, it's just it's just different now. People just don't know. But to, yeah, to your point, yes, I was very, I was, I was, I was, I was defensive in my purchase. I, I bought some other things yeah. <laughs> to make sure that they were just so you just so you know, I do read I do read more than the headlines that tell me which books to buy. Right. I think anybody um, buying which books is, at this point, you're just on the you're you're on the, the team team book buying. You're on the side of the angels. That you're, uh, you're not at my bookstore. Oh, I guess my bookstore is like the old video store now. Really? You're going to come at me with man from Snowy River. <laughs> All right. I'll check you out, but yeah. I'm not going to make eye contact. With no, you. I'm like that. I'm like that with the at the comic book store. I have separate comic book stores for different comic book purchases <laughs> <laughs> for levels of levels of hipness. It's like I'm going yeah. to one. There's one that I'm going to go so to for funny. if I need to buy some just real spandex kind of garbage. I thought about then... going to Barnes and Noble to buy this too. I was like, I should just go to Barnes and Noble. It's forty percent off, and they won't care. <laughs> they but I, just... I said. Yeah, they're like, oh, just, we have I books. I thought this was mostly just calendars, and uh, you know, <laughs> they had a huge sign in the window too, like forty percent off. Go tell a watchman, come on in. I was like, nope, I'm gonna go to my local bookstore and get mocked for paying full price and for buying this book at all. No one should ever mock you for supporting an independent bookstore. I'm saying you're supporting an independent bookstore. It doesn't matter if you're just going in there and just buying nothing but you know sniglets. I don't know. They still sell those. <laughs> Rich Hall. Snigler. See, uh, look, my references are aging as we're talking. Uh, I have a confession before we get out of here. 
please confess. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not burying this at the end of the podcast. I would have put it at the front of the podcast if that you know if we did. It worked out that way. It didn't work out that way. But I'm telling everybody, I have talked a lot. I've talked real greasy about Nick Pizzolatto and True Detective Uh-oh. over the run of this show, and I and, and you know real. I had a lot of fun. As many people did, making fun of him for that Vanity Fair profile because fun should be made of it. It was ridiculous. And I kind of hated the first episode of this season, True Detective Season 2, that came out. Uh, We talked about it on here. I was, you know, not into it. I thought it was sort of ridiculous and overwritten. and, And I still feel like the thing that this show is celebrated for, the one thing, the thing that it is most celebrated for is the weakest aspect of it, which is the writing. I don't, I think that, uh, you know, it's the, I, the dialogue is still sort of absurd. I, the way that he writes women is ridiculous. There's a lot of things about it that are crazy. And there's something in every episode that it just, you just makes you just face palm. Certainly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it's like it, it has, for me, it's been it, like what somebody described as that to the Taylor Kitsch. I hate that. I love Dick plot. Um, <laughs> that's been absurd to me, but it's so absurd. It's really, it's it's just it's like by any measure, this plot. Unless unless we find out in episode five that Lita Davidovich's character, who plays his mother, I don't even know what psychological explanation you could possibly make for this dumbass plot. But I think that the he's expecting you. Whatever you finish your point, this the point I'm going to make sort of makes itself by any by anybody else. So just go on. Yeah, if you've if you've seen, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I will say that I am still I am all the way in on this, and I'm really excited every time it's Sunday, and I'm going to get to watch another episode of True Detective. I'm like, there is something about you know, I just get into the. It's a well executed sort of James Elroy esque pulp narrative about three people trying to solve a mystery and the forces that want them to not solve that mystery and are sort of actively encouraging them to not solve it. They're going to uncover clearly there's all kinds of corruption that they're going to uncover in this city where this thing takes place. Uh, There's something about just, you know, you eventually like you just kind of feel if you are someone who likes crime fiction, you just kind of feel the quickening and you just get in there. And it's like you're Mm -hmm. like it's it's like you could you feel it just like take over and you're like, okay I'm ready to go with this where it's going to go. And it's also it's really beautiful to look at. And I think like in general, the performances are really great. You know, even like some different people are working with different levels of quality. In terms yeah, of what no, it's, given. it's really interesting. Not only what they're given, but what they can actually do. I mean, I'm convinced that I love Rachel McAdams, and I, as I told you from the from from the giddy up, that I'm not. She should not be playing this part. No. But she doesn't know that. <laughs> no, well, she. Does, it's not like she. She's got it. She said yes, so she's got to do it. Right. Now. And she's doing a no. pretty good job, given that it's the it's it's sort of it's ridiculous. Taylor Kitsch, I think the same way. I think Vince Vaughn is killing it. He is really, in his way, really good. Because I mean, look, I, I can I ask a question because yeah. I might have missed something, and maybe this will be explained. Is the that's the character's walk, right? Oh, what, the Vince Vaughn that, walk? that I threw my back out walk that he's got. Have oh, you been know. noticing this? He's been he's been walking with this very sort of stiff back. 
And I mean, you'll notice it now that I'm telling you this if you haven't already. I haven't. Noticed it. No, I've. Yeah. But I can't tell whether that's Vince Vaughn. I mean, it's got to be the character, but it just kind of gives him when he's in motion this weird John Houston in Chinatown, mm-hmm. like like Frankenstein's monster quality. I can't, like not even Frank like Lon Chaney as Frankenstein's monster. Like there's something. There's something going on with this guy that we don't know about and maybe we'll never know, but there's something about Vince Vaughn's performance of it yeah. that's really interesting. To no, me. yeah, I think that where you like he you believe that he carries some history of violence in his body that he's from a lifetime of beating people up and stuff that he's sort of forsaken and then is is returning to now, is forced to return to. Yes. I get I that. Mean, I'm going to watch Colin for that. Farrell's now. ongoing excellences. Yeah. Is, d- needs no I do find that the writing like I, what you're saying about the writing is very true though it's not good <laughs> some of it is really not good and the stuff with the kid and the ex-wife and you know I, I know that there's a there's a there's a there's some moral glue that's holding that's making some of this necessary um, I, I just I don't entirely buy it and yeah. In the same way that I don't buy, I don't buy also the reason that I don't think he knows what he's doing with this Taylor Kitsch gay soldier plot is that nothing that happened at that carnival would really have happened. Like that conversation would never have taken place the way in public it does. That guy would never have put his hands on. I, I just feel like both those guys would maintain a code of silence about their relationship if it indeed was guided by shame. And the one I don't I don't there's just something implausible about about the whole thing. Like he's like blacking out now and going over to this guy's and now he wants to get married. What? I mean, if you're Douglas Sirk, you can totally pull this off. But none of the people directing this show is Douglas Sirk. And I say that with all respect to Jeremy Padeswa, (laughs) who directed episode four. I, I don't know. I think I Justin know, Lin but, is Douglas Sirk, actually. Oh, he's, he's, well, no, I'm kidding. maybe, but he didn't get any Douglas Sirk material in no, this episode. he did not. No, I know. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. It's just that that part is that part is ridiculous. It's, yeah. But one thing I do appreciate about it, though, I mean, you said the moral glue. It's like you need you need the Colin Farrell. You need to have Colin Farrell sort of have everything kind of taken away from him in order to show, you know, why he becomes what he becomes, you know, or whatever. Like, there's not. There's so much less so far anyway of that kind of philosophical baggage that the first one had and kind of didn't really do anything with ultimately. There right. was a lot of like laying of pipe for what was ponderousness. ultimately. Ponderousness. So much ponderousness. Yeah. And like all that sort of rust coal, like what is the universe, man? Like that, what became those, you know, that's now those Lincoln ads. Like it's just it's the spirit of those it lives on in those ads with Matthew McConaughey. But, you know, I feel like ultimately that none of that stuff was paid off in true detective season one it just ended mm-hmm. up with like oh it turns out that it's a weird creepy guy who lives in a house who's going to kill you like it's that's ultimately that's all it was all the conspiracy stuff didn't really add up to anything it just it just kind of went away and it's like that was the you know the reason i'm so i was so unsatisfied with that first season is that it seemed like it was building to something so major and then right. it just kind of ended and and I understand that it's supposed to be something, and the idea is that like that you know being a true detective is not about it's not about really you know sometimes you can't do it you know and it's like it's about whatever you can whoever you can save and whatever and all that and you're not going to get everybody that you need to get. This may go to the same place, like I may end up disappointed again, but I'm enjoying the ride a lot more than the I stakes was. seem lower for one thing. I mean, you know, yeah, and people even th- with that shootout from last week, where I mean, what what I think is 
I mean, I also think that that shootout was kind of absurd. I mean, it was well done, but no, but that's something. That's like we had a big shootout. Let's try and do it again without repeating ourselves. Yes, and so that's inst- all it felt like. Yeah, instead of it being a tracking shot, it's going to be seventy-five different points of view and a huge, you know, gunfight and everything. And uh, just like random innocent people be having the 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 stuffing obliterated out of them yeah like there's a i felt so bad when you see the protesters because you just know you know that it's just that's not like yeah it's it's ludicrous it was not it was an attempt to repeat something it didn't work for me but i like the idea that now it looks like based on the see you next week thing they will there's some kind of a time jump will have happened and like they were going we're gonna you know like that i was wondering like it's it was interesting that they after all that sort of uh you know uh different times uh you know timeline stuff that they did in the first season that was it was interesting to see that they had just done away with that and i guess there will be some kind of a skip ahead going hopefully forward hopefully he will be in the arms of the man he loves <laughs> yes it skips ahead to after you know this week or sort of you know like it's, you know to 2015 and they're happily married yeah i kind of <laughs> doubt it i'm i'm kind of no, but it's a, anyway. that's absurd. But like, there's always, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. So I wanted to, I wanted to confess that to everybody because I, you know, I, yeah. you've confessed. That's, I Your feel sins better. have been heard. So that's our show. Joe Fuentes, thanks. You're great. You're an awesome producer. Uh, David Jacoby, you oversee all with such awesome, brilliant. I don't even know what I'm saying. He really, you're, there's you're, a level of commitment there. Jacoby, by the way, is uh, graying like Obama. I think that is the, that's the effects of uh, executive producing. Do you like that's how movies? hard he's producing? He's working that hard. I'm telling you, go look, go, go, I mean, go compare the Instagrams. He is getting the equivalent of Iran nuclear peace treaties passed in the Grantland podcast universe. Jacoby, if he grew his hair out, I think would look like Reed Richards now. <laughs> would look like Reed Richards. The actual, the actual Reed Richards, not Miles the, Teller. The, the the famous, the the most famous iteration. Of Classic. Reed I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, Alex, a pleasure as always. We'll be back next week, and we're gonna go out with six seven nine by Fetty Wap. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on Podcasts.